Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. If you have a Bible, I want to I ask you to go ahead and open up to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and Acts chapter 12. We're going to start in Acts chapter 12, and you can put a marker in Hebrews chapter 11. And as you you turn there, Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, I want to give us a little bit of context this morning uh, before we jump in so that we understand what we're jumping into. Here in Acts chapter 12, uh, persecution in the church is rising. Persecution is rising in And the church has gathered together to pray for Peter. James has just been beheaded moments ago. And now Peter is in jail awaiting almost certain death. And so the church comes together to pray for Peter. It is becoming increasingly more difficult to be a Jesus follower at this time. And so when we jump in here to Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter is in jail and the church is, as you would assume, a little worried, a little concerned about what might happen here in the morning. The Bible says in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did, and he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all of the expectation of the Jewish people. So when they had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door to the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were astonished. One more passage, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 13, says this. All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Now people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return to it. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God was not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I want to title this message this morning, uh, Don't Stop Believing. Okay, Don't Stop Believing. If you're taking notes today, you can go ahead and write that down. But let's pray and ask that the Lord would speak to us today. God, we thank you so much that you're here. God, we ask that you would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what it is that you want us to hear and see today. Pray you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. And God, that each and every person in this room, we would leave a little bit different than when we came in, a little bit more equipped to live this life of faith than we did when we came in. We love you. We worship you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, here in Acts chapter 12, as we said earlier, the persecution is rising and it is difficult to be a Jesus follower. It's becoming increasingly more difficult. And as you would assume, as expected, the church is heartbroken. They are hurting, they're disappointed, they're going through a lot of emotional hurt right now as James has just been executed. Now their buddy, their friend, their person that is leading them, Peter, has, has now been seized and captured and, and it looks as though he is going to be killed as well. And... We know, obviously, through reading the story, that during this time, God miraculously leads Peter out of jail, out of the city, and Peter comes to this house. Peter comes and he knocks on the door, excited that God showed up in his life and ready to tell everybody what happened. And he shows up at the door and, and Rhoda um, is not so welcoming. She doesn't even like open the door. To let him in. And she just like excited and turns and leaves to go tell everybody. She goes and Rhoda turns and goes and, and she's obviously excited and ready to tell everybody and is assuming that they're going to be overwhelmed with joy and excitement as well as they find out that the, that the very thing they've been praying for has, has just happened. But when Rhoda goes and lets them know, they, they respond by saying, notice how they respond. They say, you are beside yourself. You can sense the, the frustration in their voice that Rhoda would even bring up a possible outcome that is different than the reality that they've already accepted. You can sense their, uh, their hurt and their pain coming through their voice as they say, you are crazy to even believe that that's possible. We know this because Rhoda says, no, really, it's, it's him, he's there. Now, pause for a moment. Um, I don't know about you, but if you're trying to win an argument, usually you bring all of the evidence with you. And so like if Rhoda really wanted to win this, like just letting him in the door would have just solved all of this. You know what I'm saying? Like it would have just been a lot easier. But she goes to them a second time and says, no, really, I'm serious. Peter is here. He's, he's free. We were praying for him and, and God did it. And they said, it is his angel. They are sure that it is in him. They have decided in their mind already that it wasn't going to happen. Their belief is gone at this point. They cannot see any possible outcome other than the reality they've already accepted. They have accepted their situation. See, the reality of what happened has overshadowed their belief that God can at this point. The fact that James is now gone all they can see and think about is the fact that James is gone, Peter's in jail, and it's probably going to happen to him too. And yeah, they're praying, but 
they really have no belief left. I believe the burden that God gave me to share today is simply two words, and that's to believe again. If I could say anything to you, it would be those two words, to believe again. Despite the way that your situation looks, despite what is going on around you, to believe again. See, belief is this. Belief is saying that God can and choosing to live every day in that reality despite what your present situation looks like. Belief says it's not over. Belief says there's something better. It encourages, it builds up. Belief continues to move forwards. It doesn't accept present conditions. Belief sees what others don't see. It sees beyond. Belief keeps us going. Belief can carry us through the greatest of difficulties and trials. But as one scholar says, it is our duty to be reasoning down our doubts and fears by the consideration of the almighty power of God. And here in this moment in Acts 12, they have lost the ability to do that. Their belief is gone. Have you ever been in a position like that? Have you ever been in a situation like that where things around you are, seem to be so overwhelming that it's, it's becoming more and more difficult for you to believe that there is better in front of you? Maybe you were in a situation just recently or maybe it's happened over the course of this last year where something has happened or a memory has been brought up or something happened at work or in your family and, and it seems that you can't, Stop looking at that, thinking about that, and, and see that there may be something better in front of you. It seems like maybe it's becoming increasingly more difficult to believe that anything better is possible. I think at, every, at some point in each of our lives, we find ourselves in a similar position as those in Acts 12, struggling, wanting, desperately wanting to believe, even knowing that we need to but finding it hard to muster it up in our own life. How do we reason down the fears and doubts by the consideration of the almighty power of God? How do we do that? If you and I are gonna live this life full of faith, full of belief, if we're gonna keep going in life, keep moving forwards despite the pressure, despite the disappointment, despite the discouragement, the hurt, and the pain that may come. We've got to look at Hebrews chapter 11. See, what we read in Hebrews chapter 11, the, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a predominantly Hebrew audience, a Hebrew audience that is, again, finding it increasingly more difficult to follow Jesus at this point in their life. Persecution is, again, rising, running rampant. They are being faced with challenges and dealing with things that you and I, thankfully, will never be subject to. Hurts and pains and all of that. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to these people to encourage them. In fact, at this point in Hebrews chapter 11, they are beginning to consider giving up. They're beginning to consider that it's not possible for anything better to happen. They're beginning to consider whether or not it's even worth it anymore. 
And the writer of Hebrews writes to them this message and really says, it's possible. Keep going. And in order to encourage them and challenge them, he calls on the lives and the examples of some of the most faith-filled people you and I have ever known and will ever know. He draws examples from the life of Noah, from the life of Sarah, from the life of Abraham. And he says, hey, these people dealt with failure. These people went through difficulty. They went through pain. They went through heartache, but they kept going. For many, Hebrews chapter 11 is considered the hall of faith. It's these heroes in the faith and they were able to keep going, but the question is, how were they able to keep going? How are you and I to keep moving forwards in this life when oftentimes difficulty and pain arises that we're not really expecting or prepared for? The writer of Hebrews tells us the first thing that they did, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 14, is people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Number one is they were looking for a country of their own. They were not focused on the situations that were present. They were not so focused and so overwhelmed by the way that life looked in front of them at that very moment. They could see what others couldn't see. They could see beyond what was going on in their life right away. They saw something better for their life that God was preparing, and that's what allowed them and carried them through some of the most difficult moments of their life. I think oftentimes what keeps us from looking for the future and what God is doing in our life is that we keep getting tripped up by looking back at what happened last time, what happened last year, what happened last week. See, in Acts chapter 12, all they can see is that James is gone. And therefore, they cannot believe that Peter might actually be standing right outside the gate. Belief is not focused on the outlook, but rather it is focused on the one who controls the outcome. My question for you and I today is, what has our focus what seems to be dominating our focus in our life? Is it the present situations that we find ourselves in each and every day? Or are our eyes fixed on Jesus knowing that he has something better for us? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says that if we're to run this race with endurance, this life that is a race, if we're to keep going, we're to run looking un to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, to keep our eyes and our focus on him. If we really wanted to, we could look at everything that was going on around us. And you know what? If we spent enough time doing that, it would pile up so high we would not be able to see anything else. And the enemy would love for you and I to be so focused on what is going on right now that we miss what God is trying to do through us, in us, or what he is doing in the future. I was just at uh, GCU's graduation ceremony just a couple days ago on Friday, and the speaker, Dr. Rigsby, said something that, that really struck me right when, he, right when he said it. It was this. He said, if what you see is all you see, 
you're not seeing all that should be seen. If all you can see with your own two eyes is right in front of you, you're not seeing everything that should be seen. And the Bible says that these heroes in the faith, it said that they all died in faith, not having received all of the promises, but having seen them from afar off, they were assured of them. They could see them even though they didn't really have them in their life right away. You and I, we can't run forwards and hit the target that God intends for us to hit if we keep looking backwards. One of the main ways that these heroes in the faith were able to not just maintain their belief and their faith despite their circumstance, but for that they were able to continually stir up faith and stir up belief in their heart that strengthened them and kept them going was that they continually looked forwards to what God was doing and preparing for them. Number two, the Bible says that, that they were thinking of, that they were thinking of. They were looking for and they were thinking of. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 15 says, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return to it. I think it's interesting here that it doesn't say what they were thinking of, but rather it says what they were not thinking of. I think the issue in, in our lives most often is not that we have, we don't really have trouble remembering all of the bad stuff that has happened over the course of the year, this week, or even this morning. It takes no effort at all for you and I to remember the way that we messed up the way that things didn't work out the way that we wanted them to work out or the way that they, the hurt that happened or the pain that happened. It takes no effort at all. But what's most difficult for us is to see through all of that and remember the good moments. Remember the moments when God provided. To remember the moments where God protected, where God showed up in ways that were beyond our expectation. Those are the moments that are most difficult for us to remember so often we can't let go of what happened and therefore it makes us makes it really hard for us to to look forwards and, and see what God might be doing see the problem is that too often we remember what we should be forgetting and we forget what we should be remembering when uh when Audie and I got married um three years ago this past July we uh, we went through marriage counseling as most people do and we got a lot of advice during marriage counseling, some great helpful advice. And, but when it came to the day of our wedding, we didn't really get a lot of advice um, from like the start of the day to the end of the day. Like I really didn't get a lot of like advice about like what to do that day, like what to be thinking, feeling, all of that. You know, it was just kind of like toss you out there and figure it out. Um, and I remember that day, you know, we're kind of going through the day and we're getting ready uh, for the actual ceremony to begin. And we're in the, kind of the back, the green room with all my groomsmen and my two brother-in-laws uh, were, were part of my groomsmen. And they, they said, hey, you know what? I, I know you've got plenty of advice about what to do today. And I just nodded like, yeah, I, I know. And uh, like, I know you got plenty of advice, but if, if I could just add a little bit, um, my advice would be, to remember every possible good thing you can today. Remember the little things. 
I was like, okay. And they said, because you know what? It's not going to be difficult for you to remember that pictures went a half an hour over the time that they were supposed to go. It's not going to be difficult for you to remember that so-and-so showed up late and we had to start the ceremony five minutes later. It's not going to be hard to do that. It's not going to be hard for you to remember how much money you spent on this. It's not going to be hard to do that. They said, but what, what's going to be most difficult is, is for you to remember all those little, beautiful, precious moments that you had throughout the wedding. He said, so, so what I want to encourage you to do is remember everything you possibly can. He said, remember the way that the, remember the color of the silverware. Remember the way that the names were written on the board that told them where they were supposed to sit. Remember the way that the lights lit up the walls. Remember who was crying in the audience as, as Audie walked down. Remember, remember your dad gave the ceremony. Remember how awesome that communion time was. Remember the, those goofy pictures you took. With, we got married on 7-Eleven, so we took goofy pictures with 7-Eleven cups because you just have to do that, right? So, so, so remember all those funny little pictures that you took. Remember everything you possibly can. You know what? Now when I look back on my wedding, I don't remember how much we spent. I don't remember who was late. I don't remember how long pictures were. I don't remember what went wrong. All I can remember are the lights, the, the names, those that were there. I remember who was crying in the front row when, when Audie was coming down. I remember my dad doing, I remember how awesome the day was. All I can remember are those little beautiful moments that we had. And when I do, it seems to put me right back there and I get the same feelings of joy and happiness that I had when I was there. In the same way in your and I life, as we remember the little moments where God showed up, when we recall those memories, those moments when God provided, when he protected, those little moments when he showed up in the car with your kids on the way to work and it was just a God moment there, when we, when we draw from those memories, it drowns out everything else that is going on and there's a strength that begins to come back. There's a hope that begins to stir up in you to be able to continue moving forwards. But so often, we remember the things we should be forgetting and forget the things we should be remembering. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 18 says this, but do not be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. He says, forget about how big they are. Forget about what is going on right now. Forget about how scared you are. Remember, remember the deliverance that God gave you. Remember the fact that he got you out already. Remember what he did when you were in need at this time. Remember when you were slaves and, and he got you out. Remember those times. Don't remember how big they are and how difficult this is. Recall those memories and let them strengthen you. Psalm 77 verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. That's where our strength comes from. You want to know how to keep believing when everything else is falling apart around you? It's by looking to Jesus every day of your life, focusing on him, and remembering every moment where he showed up. Because you know what? It's, it's not going to be hard to remember those bad memories. But what's going to strengthen us and keep us moving forwards is when we remember everything that God has done in our life, big or small. 
Hebrews chapter 12. This isn't going to be on the screen because I just want you to listen to the words here. Hebrews chapter 12 says, When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, and let that shoot adrenaline into your souls. That's where our strength comes from. That's how we keep moving forward. See, the enemy would love for you and I to sit in disappointment, to sit in that hurt, to sit in that pain and that discouragement. And now I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm not saying it didn't hurt, and I'm not saying that that even should have happened, but what I am saying is that you don't have to dwell on it any longer. There is healing available to you. And in just a moment, our altar ministry team is going to come up, and I'm going to ask that, that you would come up and receive that healing so that, yeah, it did happen, and I'm sorry, but you don't have to stay there any longer. There is better in front of you and more that God wants to do in your life and to show you. And the third thing we see from these lives of heroes in the faith is that they continually were longing for a better country. Hebrews 11 verse 16 says, Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This word used here for longing for means to stretch oneself out in order to touch or grasp something, to stretch forward. This is an action word. This is a word that implies movement and implies us continually moving forwards despite the way things look, despite the way things seem. That we have decided in our hearts that this is not going to be the end. This is not going to take me out. But I am going to keep moving forwards. Whether I see it happen in my lifetime or not. These heroes in the faith, the Bible says that they, never, they didn't see everything that God, they never attained everything that God had promised. But they saw them from a distance and they were okay with that. That's crazy faith. They were continually longing for, moving forwards, desperately reaching out for the better things that God had for their life. The, many people would say that the book of Hebrews, many scholars say that the book of Hebrews could kind of be nicknamed the book of the better things. Because over 16 times in this book, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a Again, a, a predominantly Hebrew audience to encourage them to keep going. They want to quit. They want to be done. And he says, no, it's possible to get through this. It's possible to keep moving forwards. And throughout the entire book of Hebrews, he continually says, there is better in front of you. There are better things if you keep moving, if you keep believing, if you keep stretching forwards, there is better that God has for you in front of you. Question is, will we do that? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, Paul is writing and he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ. It says, regardless of what's going on around me, I'm gonna keep moving forwards. I'm not gonna let this be the end. I don't believe he's finished yet and I'm gonna keep moving forwards. The writer of Hebrews goes on after this passage, Hebrews 11 through uh, 11, 13 through 16, he's calling on the lives of these heroes in the faith to, to, to draw some encouragement out of that, to say, here is what they did that got them through some of the most difficult moments of their life. When they didn't understand, this is what they did. When they didn't know what was going on, when they couldn't see anything else, this is what they did. When they were hurting, when they were discouraged, when they were disappointed, when they were unsure, when it was hard to believe this is what they did this is how they held on to the faith this is how they continually stirred up belief and kept moving forwards and in hebrews chapter 39 or hebrews chapter 11 verse 39 excuse me he he continues to then go over more and more people that did these things that kept moving that kept going and he ends in hebrews chapter 11 verse 39 in a beautiful way he says and all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, but they kept going. And he said, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And he says, therefore we also. Now, though this begins a new chapter in Hebrews chapter 12, this is not the end of what he's talking about. When he says, therefore, we also, what he's saying is you and I can be heroes in the faith as well if we keep moving forwards. You can be a hero in the faith for your family. You can be a hero in the faith for your kids, for your grandkids, for everyone around you. Not only can you keep moving forwards, can you get through whatever it is that seems to be just overwhelming you right now, but you can help others get through as well. If you do these things and look at the parallels between Hebrews 11, 13 through 16 and Hebrews 12, one through three. Watch and see if you see looking for, thinking of, and longing for. He says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I want to read this, if we have it, I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. Beautiful language. It says, these were the true heroes, commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised to them. But now God has invited us. He's invited us to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finish per perfection alongside of us. 
And as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us, every situation that is overwhelming us, every memory that seems to be dominating our thoughts. We must let go of every wound and the sin which so easily falls in, we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith inside of us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because of his heart, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully, think about this every day. When you're discouraged, when you're hurting, when you don't know what's going on, think about how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.